Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The reservations or the walk-ins have to stop at that point. So, gotcha. So we start blocking off reservation times. And, for, for at that point. Oh, yeah, yeah, at that point. And we start condensing reservations in seats. So we'll... If we're able to block off a section of the dining room, we'll do it. If walk-ins are walking through the door, it's all about communication. I mean, and honesty. So I will look them in the eyes, and, and when I say I can't see them, it's because I simply just don't have the staff tonight. Hi, welcome to the Modern Waiter Podcast. I'm Marlon Joseph, the Modern Waiter, where we discuss all things restaurant business. Learn something. Laugh at something. <laughs> On today's episode, Help Wanted. Hmm. Yes, yes, yes. In many places, uh, more pandemic restrictions are being lifted. Restaurants are experiencing understaffing. And in today's episode, we'll discuss in a roundtable fashion, help wanted, the difficulty in staffing our restaurants and how restaurants treat their employees. And joining us today for this discussion is Director of Operations of Seed Kitchen, Stem Wine Bar and Drift Oyster Bar in Atlanta, Jason Raymond. Welcome back. Thanks, guys. Great to be back. And uh, before we get into it, the intro. I'm tired of working dead beat jobs for lame pay. I'm tired of getting fired and hired the same day. If you know the rules of the game, then you'll stay. And if you don't, then you'll be a pawn while they play. I'm tired of working dead beat jobs for lame pay. I'm tired of getting fired and hired. As usual, I'm joined by my good friend, Danny DeVilla. What's up, what's up, what's up, people? All right, all right, all right. It's going to be... Uh, Listen, we have you have you really what am I even asking you right now? <laughs> what are your what are your issues if any uh post pandemic? Not that it's we're still in a pandemic, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no no no. Um well, if we start at the beginning, this will be like a 7-hour show. <laughs> so, I mean, if you want to specifically talk about staffing, yes. um we'll let's start there. We were actually all good on staffing until maybe three months ago. So a lot of like my restaurant tour friends, they were kind of, um, you know, you could see all their posts on Facebook. They were talking about, I need staffing. It's uh, kind of in a desperate situation. And I felt like, I was like, oh, you know, we really haven't felt that yet. And, yeah. and at that point, I mean, we had 99% of our staff come back after we closed for the pandemic. And then... That's what I was going to ask you. I was like, did, did you have a good amount of a good return? Yeah. Yeah. It was it was really good. Um, but... And then uh, kind of caught me by surprise. About three months ago, we had, I think, eight people leave all at the same time. So it was within a, a month and a half period. And they were all in key positions throughout all three places. So... You know, um, bartenders, servers that have been there for anywhere from five to eight years. Wow. Yeah. So, and it, it's, you know, I mean, one of the feather in our caps in our company, I always felt like was that if you're a server in our company, you don't leave to go be a server somewhere else. If you're a bartender, you don't go to be a bartender somewhere else. It's like you're moving on with life. Yeah. 
so and that's exactly what happened and it just happened to be all at once you know uh, okay um you know one guy went to go sell solar panels okay you know changed careers two people graduated from college so they moved on to be engineers mm. uh, uh one person had a, another baby then somebody else left because of health reasons so it was like all these things that happened all at once so i'm not going to say i didn't hit the panic button um because for us We've never been in that situation before. I mean, I've had to hire randomly. Yeah. But uh, at Seed, at that point, I hadn't hired anybody in two years. At Drift, I haven't hi- hadn't hired anybody in a year and a half at that point. So, you know. That's interesting because you're you're experiencing this, it, but it seems like for different reasons, yeah. like for organic reasons. Yeah, exactly. You, you hear the grumblings, I guess, from other people in the restaurant business and managers and restaurateurs and... You know, a lot of them are saying that it's, you know, they're blaming it on unemployment, which is a completely separate subject, which I think we should cover. But uh, and that's part of it. But, um, you know, they're just talking about people just being scared of being in the business and not coming back. Uh, You know, I don't know. I think a lot of it does have to do with the places that that they're working already. Mm -hmm. So the hard part and I'll talk about kind of the process of, of what we've done to get people back in the building. The hard part is trying to, in a way, almost sell your business um, to these new people that have no idea what what you have set up for the last 10 years, your culture, how much money they're going to make, like mm-hmm. all these things. So when you're selling it, you really, that's what it is in the first interview that we do is like, I am, and I tell them that I'm like, I'm not trying to sell you on the business, but this is really how it is. Okay. There's a lot to unpack there. Before we get into it, you mentioned a couple of key things like let's try to identify why there are grumblings about not finding staff not even we're not even talking about good staff yeah any staff at this point what do you think i i think it's it's not as simple as oh it's unemployment i think that's a lazy conversation really and i hear that a lot you know oh it's it's they're getting these stimulus checks and nobody wants to go back to work period. Let's try to break that down. A, I think it has something to do with unemployment. would be crazy not to think that. B, I believe that where these, uh, the, the restaurants themselves, how they're being managed, how they treat their employees, that's worth a discussion as well. Because why would you, you know, choose to work somewhere versus somewhere else, it matters. It matters to me. And I think there's also a shift in the consciousness of there may be some portion of it that they're they're afraid that the restaurant business is going to go away again, or there's resentment for having gone away. There's also a renaissance of, hey, I could probably do something else. I think a lot of people in the business had that time to start to figure out what they wanted to do next. And I think that might be along the lines of, like you're saying, people moving on and, you know, furthering their degrees and all those little things. So they had those that that whole year almost to to figure out what they want to do. And then when it's time to come back to work, you know, either they don't want to work as much or they don't True. want to because they've already started to supplement their income. So whether it's it's unemployment or figuring out what they had to do along the way, it's probably along those lines. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. And I agree with all of that on um, that has to do with it on some level on each point. I feel like, yeah, I mean, you can blame, I guess, some of it on unemployment, but then I think to myself, it's, it's not that much. You know what I mean? Like with with their unemployment at a good restaurant like yours, 
They're making that in a week. Right. Well, and, and then, <laughs> so, well, yeah, you're making that in a, in a night or two. And that's, well, yeah, I mean, the you weekly, know. but you know, but if you break down what they make in a month in unemployment, that's what they're making in a week. Yeah, you right. Know what I mean? exactly. So why would you, it, that's a no brainer to me. I'm going to go work if that's the case. Right. Well, <laughs> and, well, I think there's two sides to that. Knowing you guys, you guys have strong work ethics. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm looking at the person, and not in our company, but I'm looking at the person who works in maybe like the average restaurant yeah. who always takes the cut. Mm-hmm. And that person, I think, is going to figure out a way to not work and try to pay their bills on as least amount of money as possible. And no, you're I, right. True. There's there's a math equation that, that people do. Um, is are my efforts? I could just do this much mm-hmm. and make you know money from the government or whatever the case may be. However, you're supplementing it and and get by, or not just get by. Just you know, I could spend time with my family and and this and that. So they may feel that shift of taking the opportunity and dealing with it. It's like kicking the can down the road. I'll deal with it later. I'm going to put my my rent off or my my mortgage, you know, on deferment until because that's going to come due as well as I know several people who they, they come for their money, people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're not getting rid of that, you know, but they're kicking the can down the road. Yeah. They're gonna say, I'll deal with this later. You know, I'll get a job when I have to. And so I, I really I, I really cringe at that oversimplistic um thought that oh it's it's about unemployment uh how much uh, on the scale uh, on a hundred percent scale let's try to break it down between you know people self-actualizing and saying hey maybe i want to get into something else like as we'll call as the what next Mm -hmm. and um and we'll, we'll we'll say what percentage you think of people who are choosing not to work are maybe taking a course on something or getting into, you know, whatever it is, a different mm-hmm. career, sales job, um, uh, real estate. New, exploring new avenues and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. What, what percentage would you think that? Um, I mean, I'm hoping it's 50%, but I'm, I could be completely off of the of the 10% of people that aren't working still, right? 50% of the 10%? Hopefully. No, we're talking uh, oh, like yeah, that's 100%. That's way too much math for the sound of the <laughs> my, my head just exploded. Out of the 100% that are unemployed? Yeah, okay. that, that, that are choosing not to work. That yeah. are choosing not to work? Um, well, we, I'm hoping, you know, probably like 30 to 40%, honestly, mm. be, be my accurate number. Like where they're, they're maybe that there's something, but maybe they're, you know, approaching school or they're, mm-hmm. they're, they, they went on a different avenue because they already started something and they want to finish it now. Does okay. that make sense? Because you're not going to be working initially. You know, it's going to take a little bit of time. And and that's yeah. the only way you can supplement and still have some kind of income, I'm guessing. So, and I think there's a lot of layers to, to that, even trying to figure out that percentage. First of all, it's the restaurant you're applying to. You know, one of the first things I say in an interview to anybody before we even start the interview, and I let them know, like, I have a couple of questions for you. Do you want to be full-time or part-time? And if they say part-time, it really kind of ends the interview because mm-hmm. we only hire full-time because part-time means you care part-time. Like if you're, so if you're just in it to be in part-time, you're not fit for our business because we demand a lot out of you. Mm-hmm. You know, the rewards are going to be there, obviously. But yeah. um, to me, that's very complicated because it depends on, it's the person, it's mm-hmm. the kind of person you are. For me, and I, I don't want those people working in our business exactly. because those are the people yeah. that are going to fail. They're they're not going to make it. They're looking for a way out constantly. And like that is the, you know, in the end, it's a mental thing. And, and I really do want to go into 
kind of like the mental issues that have happened because of this pandemic and how people have really come out the other side, good or bad. It's really shown me a lot about people in general. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is the ultimate selfishness. Um, And I think that that's really important. I'm not saying that we have a lot of these people in our business, but you're always going to have some no matter how every business. Yeah. Yeah. No matter how good you think your business is or how great the culture is. You're always going to have people that are only worrying about themselves. Okay. So let's talk about that. Are we we talking about um, employees, owners, managers? um... Well, I'm talking about employees specifically. Um, So, and I'm not asking everybody to think the way I do or to act the way I do. That is not, that's not fair to put that on other people. And I, we're very good at compartmentalizing people's jobs and what they are. Like if you're a server in our company, you're a server. Like, I want you to be really good at being a server. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask you to go behind the bar and start shaking drinks. Okay. If you're a bartender, you're a bartender. I'm not going to hand you the keys and say, hey, can you close up for the night? Yeah. You know, like, so So we're very good at that. It's, but as far as, you know, um, but yeah. So, yeah, I feel like I've, I've really kind of found out who certain people are in our yes. business. So as far as, like, the selfishness goes, you know, again, I don't. I don't expect people to be the way I am, but when I get up in the morning, my I cannot only worry about myself. I have not only do I have 110 people in the business to worry about every day, but I also have this crazy thing called personal life. So you have personal things going on. Exactly. Going on outside the business. So but some of these people I feel like walk in and when I say some, I'm like a very few, but the problem with a few of those people that have this mentality, it can be cancerous in a business. Absolutely. So, and that's when you get all the negative talk and, you know, and in our business, our, our, our staff doesn't want to hear that. Like they're there to get away from those things. Mm-hmm. But when you walk in the door, sometimes I feel like, and this is not a like boo-hoo moment for us, but I feel like they walk in with their hands in the air and then people just slap on the gloves like they're surgeons because of what we kind of have set up for them. Mm. So they're, they're, some of these people and some of these people do not have families at home. So they literally walk in and they worry about only themselves, like without any, and that's where the selfishness comes in. It's like you worry about only yourself. You're not thinking about other people that you're affecting when you start talking negatively in the restaurant. And you're certainly not thinking about the managers who have worked their their asses off to make sure that this restaurant is set up and is successful mm-hmm. and is continuing to run and continuing the culture through all this stuff going on in the pandemic, which every day has been a challenge. So that's what I mean about, you know, people's true selves really coming out during this process. And for me, yeah, now I have to manage those layers of selfishness. So, and you got to figure out, you know, how do you reward the staff that's coming in every day and busting ass still and they're caring about other people, which is a huge thing in our company. We talk about every day. It's yeah. just, you know, you have to care. Mm-hmm. So, um, and if you're not a part of that, and that's what we've been saying, it's like the train's moving forward. So it's either you're going to be on this train that we have set up the last 10 years that, that we've been trying to improve as far as culture goes, or you're going to have to get off. And, and in our restaurants, the beauty of it is that the rest of the team is not going to allow you to be that way for that long. You are going to be you're going to end up being isolated because mm-hmm. they don't want to put up with that. Okay. So, but yeah, the the selfishness part of it is just, um, and again, it's not a lot, but it's enough where you notice. And it's like, you know, we have this this program called Zedic, which is a, a kind of a health check-in system that we do on our phones. Okay. So you check in every day 
And if you have symptoms to COVID, you put them down. Um, and then you can either get a green check mark for the day or a red X. So before vaccinations were happening, if you got a red X, you could be out anywhere for up to 10 days. But soon you realize that this is not a foolproof system. And mm -hmm. if you want 10 days off in a row, you're just going to put any one of those symptoms that's going to put you off. Okay. So, and you start to realize that after some of these people are now on their 40th day, 50th day. So when that happens, it's like, you know, in combination with days they requested off that they couldn't get, you know, it just makes you start. And they may very well be legitimate and I do not have proof that they're not, but it, in, in the manager's mind, it's, it puts this sense of doubt into your head about who is really on board with the team and who is not. Mm -hmm. So now you start looking at people kind of differently. And it's just, it's this weird game that has never happened in our business before for me. Mm -hmm. So now when, when that happens, uh, the red X, they are taking time off and, uh, is there any compensation for them? Are they getting like, paid or yeah for the first um two weeks it happens you do so you'll you'll federally you have to get a doctor's note they have to agree that whatever symptoms you have is covid related symptoms mm -hmm. whether you have covid or not um so you have but, to get tested obviously Correct. yeah that, well the, the testing doesn't matter to us um it did in the beginning and then we realized how unreliable the testing actually was okay. so even during that 10 days if you were out and you got tested and you were negative, it doesn't bring you back any sooner. So it's all about symptoms to us. Okay. So after those 10 days are up, if you still have symptoms, you'll be out another 10 days. But yeah, so federally, uh, the federal government will will um, give us that money back come tax time to pay them for two of those weeks. Okay. So, and again, they, they would know that. So if I'm a server, you know, Servers and, and bartenders and people in general in our company make a lot of money. You know, when you're talking about being a server bartender, working less than 40 hours a week every week and making between 50 and $70,000 a year, like that's, that's impressive. Mm -hmm. So, but if you're, and there's no doubt that this business has been more stressful to work in. I mean, you know, we were wearing gloves up until two weeks ago. So I don't know if you've been in that environment for wearing gloves all day, oh, changing them out. We remember that. Yeah, so that's not fun, and it makes the job it harder. Sucks. Yeah, it does. It, it's even hard to hold a glass. It's like it's extra work on top of work. No, it's horrible. I mean, and then <laughs> you know, and we'll talk about that too because that's I have this term that I uh, heard called hygiene theater, which I think is pretty, pretty good stuff. And that you know, we kind of we kind of worked around that. But um, so, anyways, yeah. So there's no doubt that it was harder to work in this business. So these people at at some point were probably just like, you know what, I just need like a ten day break. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's like, okay, if you just came up to me, because, and this is during the short staff time. So when you have a red X come through and you're already short, yeah, that it, that sucks for us. It really, you know, I mean. Because it's not like it's a day. It's a full, you know, it's, it's two weeks. It's 10 days. Yeah, man, it's, yeah, it's a minute. Yeah, and it's, uh, so at that point, and that's where the selfishness comes like full circle for me, is you're not thinking about the team. If you are, if you are doing that, and I find out things like you were golfing during that time off mm -hmm. or because, you know, everything gets back to me in the end. That's when I'm like, but you can't hold them accountable because you can't prove it. So it's not like and this is we just in our business, in our businesses specifically, we don't play these games of having to go like double check on people. Mm. But it put this doubt in your head as a manager to are like, who do we trust? And it was a, it's a very strange place to be. So. But yeah. And then. You know, if you just 
if you jump from there into the actual hiring process, and this is what it all comes back to for this business in general, is who you hire and and how you hire and having the right people in the right place. Mm -hmm. And then you have to worry about these things less. So, I mean, you know. What happens uh, functionally to the restaurant? So, obviously, you're not going to be canceling reservations when, you know, you have – you know, less staff and things like that, uh, suddenly, what happens to you functionally as, you know, how do you, how do you do get, get through a busy night with less staff? Yeah. So that's a great question. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So we're in a very fortunate position in our company. I mean, uh, our chef and uh, the owner, Doug Turbush has set us up for success and it wasn't too be in a position like this during a pandemic, obviously, but mm-hmm. it just kind of worked out. But we have no debt in our company. So we've paid off all our restaurants as of maybe four years ago now. Okay. I mean, so, yeah, remember from the last conversation. Yeah. 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 Impressive. So what we did is we just shut off parts of the dining room. So like on Fridays and Saturdays, instead of having nine servers on, we would have five. And then we would just run the whole restaurant like a five server dining room. Now, are you um, are you a reservation based restaurant, a walk in base, or a combination? What percentage do you take reservations first of all? Uh, yeah, we're on open table. Okay. So, so what percentage of your your night is uh, walk ins? Uh, I'd say maybe fifteen percent, maybe ten percent. It depends on the day. On the weekends, fifteen to ten percent. On the weekdays, maybe forty. Okay. okay. Yeah. So let's say it's a, a a Friday. You you have you know how many other covers you have and then uh, a red x comes through like on a thursday because obviously you already had these most of these reservations so he's, i think you're saying like on a yeah. thursday and then yeah. you're, you're not aware until that point because you're a day off yeah um so yeah so what we'll do is we'll uh we'll stop one of the one of the the reservations or the walk-ins have to stop at that point. So, gotcha. so we start blocking off reservation times and, for, for at that point. Yeah, yeah, at that point, and we start condensing reservations in seats. So we'll, if we're able to block off a section of the dining room, we'll do it. If walk-ins are walking through the door, it's all about communication. I mean, and honesty. So I will look them in the eyes, and and when I say I can't see them, it's because I simply just don't have the staff tonight. You know, so. It's a, you know, and 99% of people will understand, Mm -hmm. but it's the, you know, the 0.1% or the 1% that, you know, that have a hard time with it. And then it's a simple answer. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to be in this position either. Like I'm letting you walk out the door and this is money walking out the door. I was like, I hope you understand enough to come back again and give us another try, Yeah. you know, but you know, when they see that and they see the sincerity coming out of your face, like. I don't want to be here, like telling you no. Like this is yeah. not the business we're in. Exactly. You know? As far as being understaffed, like where where do we go from here? Because we're talking about a complex issue. You know, are you in competition for employees from other restaurants or from just employees themselves? Like people, I remember being in uh, Dallas maybe a, a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And I had a hard time getting an Uber or a Lyft. And I didn't put two and two together until, you know, I got a driver and asked him. And he said, well, nobody wants to work. I mean, let's talk about that. Like, that, is it that simple? I mean, it is. Nobody just not. I don't understand. Because I think, I think we're in a an, an unique position where our opinions or our experiences 
are not though that of many. Mm-hmm. There are many restaurants where where the pay might be less or equal to the unemployment. Yeah. You mentioned, Danny, that hey, you know, you can make that back in a week. What if you can't? No, you're right. Because, uh, I mean, there there are places that are are offering signing bonuses for applicants and things like that. And that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I really want to talk about how employees are treated in the restaurant business sometimes. You know? Yeah, I mean, especially like like we were talking about, I guess, I think issues down here are when you're being understaffed and you're still getting the same kind of volume or even more, like like we've talked about even before the show. If you're busier and you're you're working with less people, that staff is starting to be stressed out and burnt out. And I think in their mind, they're like, you know, I, I don't need to do this anymore. Blah, blah, you know, there's plenty of restaurants I can go to or this or that. And I don't know if that's a part of the culture as well, where they, you know, some people are just leaving places because they know there's such a demand. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, again, there's so much to unpack with that. I mean, there's so many different layers. Um, if you, The first thing you said about being in competition with other restaurants and their staff. Yes, to a certain degree, until you interview them and you're in the interview process. And I feel like that's where we're a lot different. I have a restaurant tour friend down there that has a few restaurants. Um, and he said that he hired a whole fleet of people from a, like a sports bar. And he's he's like us. They're like casual fine dining. And okay. he's like, he had to teach somebody how to open a, a bottle, bottle of wine. Yeah. And like it was a screw cap. And like he, and he found himself <laughs> like, but that's a position that he thought that he was in. Mm-hmm. Um, for me... When we started the hiring process again, we put out um, ads on Indeed and we were paying $50 a day, which we still are to this day. And that was two months ago. So you figure $50 a day for each position for a server and bartender for two places and add up that money that they're, that Indeed is making off of us for that. But when applicants started to roll through, as of now, I've looked at 2,500 resumes. I've now interviewed 114 people. And I've hired 16 out of the 114. So and with each interview that I do, I spend an hour with each one of these people. So this is not, this is like, I ter- my hat became the recruiter for the company. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. do the first interviews for everybody coming in. It's an hour long. I spend a lot of time with people. Um, but we, that process is the key. And you have to be relentless. Before this all started, before I decided that I was going to really start like pushing the hiring part, I went to the staff at the line, at our lineups and I was like, you know, because they were feeling it too. They were working a lot. I mm-hmm. was like, do you guys want me to just start bringing people in and kind of see who sticks, which totally goes against every one of my hiring practices for the last 10 years. I just years. about to ask you, so out of that 16, how many think we'll stay was, was, was going to be my question. And you're probably about to get into it. Yeah. I mean, right now we're at 12, which a lot of people, yeah, I mean, they're not going to make it to the process and that's okay. That's all part of the process. Mm-hmm. But I went to the staff and I asked them that and they said no. You know, and they're and they're like, we want you to go through the same process because it's not fair to them in the end. Yeah, true, you, you don't true. want to pick up somebody else's slack. It's like disrespectful yeah. for me to to. I mean, I brought them in through this process mm-hmm. of three interviews for every person, um, going through this hour interview, and it's this. It is this equal investment of time and money from. They both went of through us. training camp, and you're like, "Yo, you just want to throw them in the game." You're like, yeah. "They're like, no, no, they got to go training they, they, camp they too." Took my, they took my starting spot. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. Well, yeah, you want to be you want to be arm in arm with people that are capable, absolutely, a, as well. Because if you care about something, like yesterday, we we it's it's interesting because 
we have a few new people mm-hmm. and at one time I was a new person, but it was the, I was the only person for a while, yeah. you know, we have a new people, a few new people. We are known for just running thin on, on, on our employees and it's, a, it can be stressful, but you know that you have a good group. Not, I don't care who, who's here, is it, but some some of my newer co-workers i'm like looking at them like oh like, no get it together no you know and and I, I had to work next to one guy last yesterday and i am more i'm nicer now than i've ever been in my entire life <laughs> but you know clearing the the brunch and things like that we use the big oval trays and he's just stacking the plates and there's no organization to it and things like that and i said to him i said listen you need to care about how you stack these plates. You know, you need to stack them, scrape them onto one so that it does two things. It doesn't look hideous. When you're walking through. When, when you know, because you're, those trays are uh, pretty much eye level to the guests, mm-hmm. you know. And I said, if it's, if it's stacked and it's your tray, I will take it back. I'm not going to touch it if it looks like that because it's going to take me forever to unload your stuff yeah. at the dispit. So I'm not going to do it, but you got to care. Oh yeah, yeah, no problem, man. Thank you. This and that. No, bringing in somebody that you have to have—that's the kind of common sense you have to have. Bringing somebody in, like they need to come with that common sense, you know. And that's the problem. If you're teaching people like those extreme basic skills of life, like you have not figured that out, that's okay if it's your first job. But if you applied as somebody that had server experience and you're still doing that, you have not learned lessons. You have not worked in the right places. And you're coming with these bad habits that are going to be, especially now, way harder to curb mm-hmm. into something that you really want. So, so after you say that one time, this this guy has got to get it together. And like the next time he stacks a tray, it has to be the way you said, or else he's he doesn't get it. He know? doesn't get it because uh, I told you him the it. same thing last week. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's so. And again, so now it's already this this guy in the dining room that you know doesn't belong, and he just shouldn't be there anymore. And that's that is on the that's the manager's duty. I have a, I have mixed I have mixed feelings about it. Uh, I, I I I don't have illusions that everyone's going to be on the same level. I think you need chiefs and Indians. Absolutely. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. you're not going to survive. You're not going to actually function with all chiefs. It just doesn't work. But the Indians have to be willing and capable or, or willing to improve. You know, we generally have an older staff. Mm-hmm. And I find that some older people, stuck you can't in their ways. tell, yeah, you can't tell They're them anything. Ways. You right. know what I mean? Or, or, or the ability to, to be calm when the bullets are flying. And they may do these things, the right things, when it's slower. But when it's busier, they revert they back to they yeah. Right they to panic. Motive. They go to go to that thing. Taking that, instead of taking that extra just second, because it really is a couple of seconds to it, do it, it the is. right way. It is. They go into panic mode and they just kind of do. I feel you. I understand that too. Yeah, I just think that um, you know, as far as like the older crew, that's one of the things. If I'm interviewing a veteran, the one of the first things I say is like, I'm not saying that you're too you're too into this business or too experienced to not learn new things but we are not under the can't teach an old dog new tricks in this in our business like you have to come in with an open mind and uh like i don't need you to like we don't have surf and turf on our menu i don't need you to come in and sell a lobster tail with every fillet yeah or like 
throw scallops on the ravioli that has no business being there just because you're trying to up your check average. Like those things don't fly in our business. We, we don't operate like that. But, but for me, my job and whoever's on like the manager job is to create the business to help that person then. So you have to, so if you have the, you know, the old veteran or whatever that can only handle three tables, but you give them four, that's my fault because I have failed you. So I want Mm. you to succeed with those three tables I know some people can take five, but if, if, you know, and I talked about this last time, but we have servers that, yeah, if you put them in four instead of three, they'll completely have a meltdown. But if you have them at three tables, they'll make the same money. And then every table comes up to me and tells me how amazing they are as Mm -hmm. a server. So, and that's really important, but yeah. So if, but you have to, as a, as for me, if I had that guy in my restaurant, yeah, I have to find a place for him to fit in and to succeed but you give him all the chances, but in the end, if he's still failing, then then yeah, you it's not personal. You just you don't fit. It becomes not, business. Exactly, yeah. you're not a fit in this restaurant. Mm. So I don't, you know, and I don't, I know nothing about this person, but um, we're just, I just know my crew. So and I know that they they rely on me to make sure that I'm setting everybody else up, up for success, and whether that's the floor plan, the section, his actual job. You know, if he's a server, then maybe he shouldn't be, you know, maybe he should work as a, you know, a bus or a food runner at first and really get to know things and then move his way up. But, you know, that person has also got to be willing to do that and to sacrifice to move up. So do you do you uh, do you allow your, you know, bussers and food runners to, you know, move up, move? Absolutely. To other positions. Yeah, I love that. I mean, so um, in our company. Every front of the house manager that's ever worked for our company has never been hired from outside the company. Every single one of them has moved up from a server or a bartender to a manager. Mm. So, and right now that's in the last 10 years, I think that's 14 front of the house managers that have all moved up. Mm. So I'm the only one that has ever managed anybody before we started our business 10 years ago. Okay. So, um, yeah, so I love that. One of the things I let people know in interviews, and that kind of puts them at ease, is that I do not hire kids or first-timers for servers and bartender jobs. I don't. Like, you have to have some kind of experience mm-hmm. to that to come into our business. I do hire kids, like high school kids, to be hostesses and what we call essays, which is kind of our version of a busser. And because those are teachable spots. However, I still go through the same interview process with all of them as I do with any server or bartender. Because if you are, you can be a 16-year-old hostess at the door, um, but we do not take that lightly. So you'll still go through all the interviews yeah. in the hour interview because you are you are still, you have to think on your feet. You are still in charge of running the entire restaurant. We have a lot of trust in those positions. Mm-hmm. Our essay position, uh, one of the girls that works for us full-time as an essay, which is a busser, which, is, which means you... Like a server assistant kind of thing? Exactly. Yeah. So you uh, water tables. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you water tables, you clear tables, and you reset tables. Mm-hmm. And she worked 39 hours last week, and she made $790. So, again, like... Damn, I, you're putting her IRS stuff out there, man. Absolutely. <laughs> She's proud of it. She will tell you herself. Don't you worry. Okay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it's a... I always feel like money is kind of like the superhero power. It's the more money you make, the more responsibility you have, and the more I expect out of you. You know, it's... So, and that... We're just, uh, yeah, the, the hiring part, it, I don't know, like signing bonuses and like that. I'm like, if somebody's going to, like, we have a restaurant that, that just put that out there. They're like, 
we're going to give you a $300 signing bonus and then $100 over the next three months that you work. I'm like, if somebody, that's the only reason why they're coming in to apply is to get $600 over three month period. I don't want that person in my yeah. business because if that's what it takes to bring you in, like those, those are those are weird pretenses to walk into the business. Like mm-hmm. what what kind of, you know, like who am I hiring? You but know? That, that speaks to how how they see help. Right. You know, and there's an issue with that. You, if you incentivize things, you th- and then blame the person for taking the incentive, you know, it's on you. Right. I, I, I okay, for instance, my my daughter, I I don't I don't believe she has need for money, right? I don't give her an allowance because anything she needs she can have. If I gave her an allowance, which I spoke to, you know, my ex about, it wouldn't be because she did chores or anything like that. Whatever chores, that's your duty to be a part of my fa- our mm-hmm. family. You know, you're supposed to make your bed. You're supposed to take the garbage out. You're supposed to do these things. So I say I, I bring that up because the money has to be there. But if it's the only incentive, money is not the only reason why I work or have worked the places that I've worked. You know, there has to be a sense for me anyway, that I actually like going to work. Mm-hmm. I like my coworkers. The times of which I don't like, and management is coworkers and things like that, that I don't like my coworkers, I've wanted to leave. And it, none of it was because I wasn't making money. You know, so if you if you make oh that fifty dollars signing bonus or two hundred dollars or three hundred dollars, you set that goal. A person's just going to get that goal. Yeah. You know, I I don't and I don't blame them. You put it out there. You give me a you know a carrot and I, I hang use out for the three carrot. Or whatever, you know, yeah, yeah you know, I hang out for three months, but then you, you you don't make it about the the restaurant. Yeah. I want to talk about how you know what is it that you do. You you, you struck me. We had a conversation, and I told you about getting off the doubles, right? And uh, and and I said, "Hey, man, I was just kind of burnt out on the. It's just a long day for me. I don't really get a break because functionally there is no time, you know." And uh, you said to me, "Oh, wow! Uh, if I, you know, I try not to do that for my to my." employees do you remember saying that yeah yeah, yeah well we don't i don't sunday doubles i mean we have to sometimes out of necessity but i try to avoid those at all costs because those are hard days yeah so going through brunch and then straight through dinner um especially when you're busy but um but yeah i mean but during the week yeah you you mentioned uh you know buying them dinner or or, or something like that i was like what oh yeah so <laughs> no i mean so we i incentivize kind of on the fly i don't set it up ahead of time but i i do it as more i wouldn't say incentivize i would say more of an appreciation mm-hmm. so and i'll let them know like the other day i was in a in a pinch and uh we had one of our uh guys at the door red x so and it was i was on a busy night it was thursday night we had like 180 on at that point um at seed and then so i went up to the daytime hostess and i handed her a piece of paper and it said uh <laughs> it said how much she's going to making be making an hour if she worked the night shift. It was like a bottle of wine and a fifty dollar gift card, mm-hmm. and I just handed it to her. I was like, "Can you work tonight?" And she looked at it and she went, "Yep." <laughs> so I said, "Thank you." You know, but if if and I do that completely randomly. Like if somebody does a 
uh, great job or like really, you know, if a host is on the door by themselves and we did 250 people at the end of the night, like I'll hand them their favorite bottle of wine. I'm like, here you go. Thank you so much. But it's those little things like I, I more appreciate it than I do like try to incentivize it before it happens. Yeah. I, I want to tell you that that goes a mile. It goes a long way. I've probably told this story before. I'm not sure when I started. Um, I don't know why I still call it a new place, but uh, I was on the line, uh, on the expo line, owners sitting, standing next to me, and I want to say one or two food runners, okay? And, you know, I'm learning and I'm, you know, seeing what the, the food looks like. I'm running food. And I just experienced the chatter between the chef and the owner. He's, you know, really charming guy. He's just going back and forth. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, and the chef passes him a plate of food and he starts, you know, cutting it up. And he shoves the plate my way and he says, here, I'll split it with you. And that struck me, you know, I was like, I was, I, and my, my instinct was like, no, 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 I'm, no, I'm fine or whatever. He's like, he's like, and he looked me in the eye. He's like, no, here, you know. And that probably means nothing to him. It meant the world to me because no one has ever done that before. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or or manager, really. You know, it's yeah. more of like, what do you want? This and that. So mm -hmm. what you do matters, you know, and it matters to people. And they notice that the appreciation is, is very, uh, it goes a long way. Yeah. And you have to be intentional about it, too. It's not, you know, like you have to look the person in the eyes and you have to tell them that. Yeah, I mean, specifically why they did a great job. Mm -hmm. You know, when you walk into the manager's office, at the end, and we've all worked in these places, and you hand the, your checkout in, and they're like, thanks, great job. And then they turn around right away. Like, that doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. You know, when you when you go up to the host or hostess or a server that killed it that night, look them in the eye and say, God, you killed it. Like, the Spiel on 31 was amazing. You've zero flawless victory all night. Here's a bottle of wine, man. Go home, enjoy it, whatever. Like, that means something because you are a human talking to another human yeah you know and it's and, and you you try to do that as much as you can but i'm not gonna I'm, i only reward people that really are going above and beyond this yeah. isn't like a daily thing where yeah if everybody does their job really well then that's a great night you yeah. know and and i'll address that at the next lineup but if somebody stands out we always we have these these meetings called l10s um with all our managers every week and during the meeting, we have this section called People's Headlines. And during the People's Headlines, we'll, we will shout out a front-of-the-house employee and a back-of-the-house employee that week. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't happen every week because somebody needs to really stand out. Yeah. So, But when that one person is, is mentioned, every manager that uh, is in that meeting goes up to that employee and thanks them specifically for what they did to be on that list. So when you have six or seven managers per restaurant coming up to you, front and back of the house going to a front or back of the house person, that means a lot. Like, you know, going up to the dishwasher and be like, uh, we had a girl call out that was a dishwasher last Friday and we got, you know, we got crushed. I mean, we did like 290 people or something. Um, and that was one dishwasher to handle the whole thing. So not only did the whole line like jump in with him at the end of the night to help him, but every manager the next day walked up to him and was like, thank you, you know, and, yeah. like, and that means a lot because yeah. you're intentional about what you're doing. It's not just like, hey, man, great job. You know, like that doesn't mean anything. So many people don't experience that, though. You know, uh, I get I get communication from from listeners that specifically one that was frustrated about, you know, not being listened to, not having the 
the supplies that they need, no, no input on things. It's just, you know, a complete uh, strain, really. And, uh, and it was, in essence, uh, a show request. But I've struggled to deal with that show because I don't experience that, you know? <laughs> yeah. So Well, here's a good start. I mean, just from all the people that I've interviewed... I, I am honestly in shock at some of the stuff still going on in the restaurant business. I mean, after the Me Too movement started um, and then kind of morphed into like chefs like Mario Batelli, where he was like sexually harassing his employees and like how that just devastated the some of these people in the restaurant business who deservingly didn't belong to be there. Mm-hmm. That stuff is still going on at yeah. some places and like way more places than I thought and places that I know. And, and they're like, we're being mistreated. You know, I was like being, I had this one girl start with me over at Drift. She was great. I mean, she was the girl in the interview taking notes. And then she was interviewing me at the end, mm-hmm. which like, obviously you really care because you're asking specific questions about the job and not just about money. Mm-hmm. And then she got into, into Drift and she told me she, like, she had a lot of problems at the last place she was at. And it's a young girl. She's probably like, you know, 22, 23 in college. Um, she told me that she had some issues with the managers in the last place she was at. So she started training at Drift. And then two days in, she sent this long letter just saying how, you know, she really appreciates us and everything's been amazing. But she has a kind of PTSD from what's happened to her in the last restaurant and she can't work in the industry anymore. Wow. And I was like, yeah. And I'm looking at this girl and I just like felt so bad that we couldn't pull her out of this thing. And I, I'm like, if we had you first... You would love this business because you would know how it's supposed to be run and how people are supposed to be treated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and those things are still happening. And I, I'm just like, how can that, how can that happen right now? And, and that's one of the, I mean, in this hour long interview, I mean, there's so many points that I hit. And again, it's a, uh, I talk about the culture of the restaurant. You know, we, I mean, when um, Doug won Restaurant Tour of the Year in 2019 for Georgia. Yeah, I mean, it was about having great food and great service, but it's also a huge part of it was about the culture of the company. And that was kind of the validation for what we've been working on for the past 10 years to simply become better humans in this business. You know, in the beginning, and I probably mentioned it before, but yeah, we were like, it was like more like a military camp, but I felt like it was necessary at the time. But like you said earlier, I mean, I've never been nicer than I am right now and more patient. And mm-hmm. and it's because you have to evolve as a human. You cannot, True. you know, when you talk about these veterans in the business, if there is a time to adapt to the situation and what's going on, it's now. Like you can't be that same server you were 10 years ago or 15 years ago and talk about the stories about how the chef used to throw food across the line, mm-hmm. smash plates on the floor. Like I don't want to work there, you know? Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to work in that place either. So... I introduced myself during the interview, probably about a quarter of the way through, and kind of talk about where I've been and what I've done. And then I say, I'm not telling you all this to like brag about my career and where I've done. I'm simply telling you this because the front of the house of our of our restaurants is everything I love about the business, and I took out all the stuff I hated. Mm-hmm. So like all the dramatics and favoritism and ass kissing and all that stuff. That stuff's gone. Yeah. And I and I kept everything i loved which is just having a culture where you can escape especially now what is going on outside of this building and feel like the escape is actually coming to work yeah like imagine that you know imagine that like our chef uh i remember another thing that struck me it was early 
around the same time the owner shared his his meal with me, someone was uh, spirited, spiritedly discussing and swearing. And the chef stops the line. He, he he yells over there. He says, "That's not that kind of kitchen." He's like, "We don't we don't use language like that in here." You know, maybe somewhere else, but not here. And I was like, "Okay, that's pretty cool." You know, uh, there's there's been not just abuse in the in of staff in the kitchen in the front of the house, managers, you know, appropriating tips for you know. Play, pay for paying other employees mm-hmm. or you know taking apart for themselves and things like that that's that's in who wants to deal with that but that's a part of i feel like if we're talking about um a section of staff that's choosing not to go back to work i think a section of that a good section of that is assessing if they want to go back to a, an industry that's you know, abusing ladies or abusing their their staff in general, front of the house and back of the house, whether it's verbally or taking advantage of them. I've had managers that you know you get the ca- you get your cash out, and they they kind of almost resent you for actually making money. I've actually said to a manager, "Didn't you want me to make money?" <laughs> right. Like, you, you know, why do you think I'm here? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm here to make money. <laughs> it's. it's- I mean, yeah. So every morning when I get up, I have a routine and I get up early and look at all the sales numbers. And then I look at all um, just tips and sales across the board for for everybody that worked that day. Yeah, man. I mean, when I look at that and I see all the money everybody's making, like there's nothing that makes me happier because, Mm -hmm. you know, and yes, it is an important part of the business. Also, during the interview, one of the things I talk about is I say, and I don't talk about money during this interview. The only thing that I will tell you is that the before this pandemic started, the average tip percentage in this company, cumulative for 10 years, is 22.5%. I was like, and now it's 24.5%. Mm-hmm. So I was like, if you are in the building and you are here working, you are going to be making money. So, But again, that is the cherry on top from everything else that I'm going to tell you during this interview, because this is the reason why people work here. It's the reason why people have been here for 10 years, eight years, seven years, and they haven't left. And if they do leave, this is the place where they're like, this is going to be my last serving job or my last bartender job before I go do something else. If I go do something else, because they're like, and I'm not trying to like, you know, toot my own horn, which... I've never said that phrase before, and I probably never will again. That is really you terrible. Dated yourself. That is horrible. Um, but yeah, they're just Pat like yourself on the back. Yeah, that's the first time I've ever done that. Um, <laughs> one of our core values is be humble, and I just failed it. So, um, but yeah, so you know, it's one of the great things about working for the company is is it's just how it feels to work there and to be a part of a team. What you said earlier, yeah, I mean, when you're done with training, and that's another thing I say, is you're standing shoulder to shoulder with people that, first of all, are professionals in this business, have gone through the training, and they know what it feels like, and they know how hard it is. Mm-hmm. So you have that built-in respect that comes in, like, I made it. Yeah. So, and I said, the other thing is you're walking into the all-star crew of servers and bartenders, but the cool thing is they're all really, really nice, and they don't see themselves that way. So when you come in and you start training, you realize how helpful everybody is because all they want you to do is succeed. There's no one person with the ego that comes up and starts, you know, they're like intimidated by you. Like they can't wait to see what you can do, yeah. you know, and all these servers, these new servers we've hired, we have four new servers over at Seed. Every one of them is killing it and they just fit in. Mm-hmm. And that, again, 
all goes back to the interview process and bringing in the right people. Mm -hmm. Like if you bring in the right people, then they should fit in. And then because of all the, the communication and foundation that has been set during that interview, we've also had people drop out after day two because they're like, you know what, like you guys are great and everything, but I just don't think that I can handle this place. Like, I think it's either going to be too intense. I was looking for something maybe, you know, but everybody here is really, really nice. I just don't think it's for me. So they realize it right away too. So it's not wasting each other's time, yeah. you know? So. I don't know if you would even hire me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for, uh, for giving us your time. Once again, I love, uh, I love our little conversations and things like that. We're going to, you have time to grab some food or absolutely I'm at the modern way to podcast on uh on the instagram or the modern waiter at gmail.com if you want to email me i do respond i do listen if there's something that i can you know i get show ideas all the time and if that's uh in, in our wheelhouse that we're able to you know have fun with and disseminate some info we got you yeah that's what we're here for ah, yes that's what we're here for and please 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 uh, give uh, give us a listen on some other podcasts that are very uh, interesting in our niche, okay? Things like the Sidework podcast. Those ladies are pretty funny. Hilarious. And they champion all things uh, <laughs> <laughs> service industry. And uh, the Copper and Heat, for your chef perspective, In Your Mouth podcast. In Your Mouth. Pretty cool guy. Uh, the Macaroni Zone and confessions of a server. He's What's building that? his uh, his library, and he's doing it all on his own. Doing the damn thing. Doing the damn thing. I'm Marlon Joseph, the modern waiter. I'm Dan DeVille, and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll see you next time. Later. Point thousand if that is me. Hose readily rock a donna dose and make a tea.